All right, good morning. I'm so uh, glad to be here today. I open up God's Word with you. Um, as Pastor John said, I've known him for a long time. And I just want to say and that you have here a faithful, passionate man of God uh, who lives and walks by his conviction. So you are a blessing, brother. Amen. Amen. And I want to acknowledge some of my, uh, this is a small world. <laughs> and so as, uh, even during the break, there was people I was like, I know you and I know you and um, but I, I want to acknowledge some dear friends uh, here, Dave and Peggy, um, and Justin's here, and, um, and Abby as well. Uh, Dave and Peggy were actually on the search committee uh, at the church that would become my first pastor at Living Hope uh, for 13 years. So they and their family, uh, they hold a special place in our hearts, uh, and David is our family dentist, <laughs> too. So uh, you're all blessed to have them at RCC, and then there's so many people, Steve and Chrissy, our neighbors from Carol Stream, so uh, this is a family reunion here uh, this morning. Why don't we pray this morning, and then we can jump right into God's Word. Our Father, we quiet our hearts, we bend them before you, as Peter said, whom else shall we go to? Only you have the words of life. Only you have the words for life. So Lord, nothing in our hands we bring except our brokenness and sin and simply to the cross we cling this morning. You took five loaves and two fish and you fed a multitude. So would you do that this morning? Would you take the little that I have and multiply it, break it, bless it, distribute it? Little is much if you're in it. So do that this morning as we bow our hearts before you. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Do what you do best, which is to take broken sinners like us and dazzle and astound and amaze us again with your glorious gospel. Would you do that again this morning? Only you, you must do it. And we're here to watch you do your work as we submit now our time uh, into your hands. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, many centuries ago, while in undergrad at Wheaton College, um, I had the opportunity to teach Psalm 23 to four- and five-year-olds uh, at the church I was attending. So I think I had about six or seven of them, and I gathered them together, and I told them today, and I, you know, I wanted to be a cool teacher so it was going to be interactive. So I said, I'm going to be the shepherd, and you are all my sheep. And so I looked around, and I found a ruler, and I said, this is going to be my rod and staff. I think I called it a staff. So I moved all the chairs and tables out of the way, and then we started to march around the room. And they were all cute, and, and you know, the, the, the room was now a field. And I don't know why we were marching, now that I think about it. <laughs> 
I don't think Shepherds March, but uh, we created a space of a grassy area that was going to be the streams. Another area was the valley, and there were these, you know, cute little sheep following me around. And then uh, we pretended to lay down uh, by the so-called rug, which we called the stream. And uh, one of the kids, there's always one kid, while we were all laying there, he crawled over and grabbed my ruler. He looked at me straight in the eye and he gave me that look. Do you know the look? Remember the scene in... um, Captain Phillips, where the Somalian pirate jumps onto Tom Hanks' ship and he looks him in the eye and he goes, look at me, I am the captain now. It was the same look. This little sinner (laughs) grabbed my ruler and he abruptly declared, I am the shepherd now. Then about three seconds later, of course, you know, you have all the other kids that are like, what? How come he's the shepherd? I want to be the shepherd. And then they started fighting one another. They're trying to take the ruler from each other, and the one's hitting him, the other one with the ruler. It, it was chaos. That was my first and last day in children's ministry. <laughs> so kudos to Lois and others here. <laughs> uh, if I close my eyes, I feel like I could still see his little toothless face, saying, I am the shepherd. This is the biggest problem we have, loved ones. We all want to be the shepherd of our own lives. And that is what ends us up in misery. And so that's why I want to look at this most cherished, famous passage of Scripture from the Old Testament. I know it's familiar. A lot of you were probably like, oh, I remember this from Sunday school, so I'm praying you would, and all of us would open our eyes and hearts. The Lord has to do that afresh uh, to see uh, God's word uh, this morning. Um, Paul Miller, in his excellent book, uh, Praying Life, he does this exercise where he takes Psalm 23 and he removes, let's see if this works. Can you go to the next? This is that. There you go, yeah. He, he removes all the references to the shepherd. So I'm not trying to uh, destroy God's word or anything like that here. But I kind of crossed it out just like he did here. And uh, what are you left with when you take the shepherd out? So take a minute and look through that. What's left sounds like this. All right, my... I shall be in want, me, me, my soul, me, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear, me, me, in the presence of my enemies, my head, my cup, me, all the days of my life. I. Does this sound like the written transcript of a lot of our prayers? What are you left with? So Miller says this. He says, we are left obsessing over our wants in the valley of the shadow of death, 
paralyzed by fear in the presence of our enemies? No wonder, he says, so many of us are so cynical because with the good shepherd gone, we are alone in a world of evil. Alone, cynical, paralyzed. And as I think about where we are as in this pandemic, one New York Times author says this, we are worse than busy now. We are exhausted We're too wiped at the end of the day to do more than stress eat, binge watch, and doom scroll. And no one's calling it anything other than what it is anymore. An endless, frantic, hamster wheel for survival. New York Times, recently. That's where we're at. Many of us, if not all of us, we're all in some kind of a valley right now kind of barely surviving, lost, just with low capacity. So we need this psalm, and more than that, the shepherd of this psalm, more than ever. So author is David, he's a shepherd himself, becomes the the king of Israel, he pens this psalm at some point in his life, we don't know when, Um, but though he was a shepherd, he saw God as his shepherd, and he was God's sheep. And David has found that this shepherd, this shepherd is all sufficient, all that he needs, and worthy to be followed. And then that he wants us to do the same. That's what I'm hoping the Lord would do for us. I got one point uh, today, and there we go. Uh, we have an all-sufficient shepherd. That's all I got today. All right. We will see all the areas he's sufficient in a second. But uh, verse one: the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That is the point of the psalm. That is the thesis. The first words there shows us this is the subject. And the rest of the verses, 2 to 6, tells us why he is all sufficient. So let's look at that. Let's look at the first verse here. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Notice, first of all, it's a capital L-O-R-D. Did you see that in your Bible? So whenever you see that, that's the personal name of God. It's Yahweh. As Yahweh, he's a faithful covenant God. And whenever I think of it, it's, I think of the God who's bound up his heart with his people. And Yahweh is also how the psalm ends. You notice verse 6, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Again, capital. So his presence is all surrounding for all of life, all-encompassing. And notice, the Lord is. The Lord is. David says, this is a present tense reality for me. Not one day will be once I die. Not could be once I get my act together. Or would be if I wasn't so dumb this week. No, the Lord is. Sadly, this, is, this psalm is often read only in funerals. But it's not just about death. It's about life. It starts with the Lord is my shepherd, and it ends with what? All the days of my life. All the days. All the good days. All the bad days. And all the ugly days. The Lord is. Notice, my. The Lord is my. This covenant God is my shepherd. It's personal. Not only is the present tense reality, it's a personal reality. This psalm is not for everybody in the world. He's not just a shepherd or the shepherd 
but my shepherd. Uh, so it's, this psalm is for those who can say you've experienced a personal relationship with the living God, but when you placed your trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation. If you haven't, well, you're in a good, good place because Jesus is still in the business of saving lost sheep. Amen. So we can, you can run to the cross. You can see the shepherd who became a lamb to die for our sin. Repent of it. Call him your shepherd, my shepherd. And listen, unless he is my shepherd, then the rest of the psalm does not belong to me. On the other hand, if he really is your shepherd, and I am really his sheep, then the rest of the psalm is for me. I have everything in him. So this covenant God is David's personal shepherd. Now, if God is the shepherd, then David must be what? His sheep. Now, listen, that is not a compliment. I'm sorry, okay, I'm sorry if you have a painting in your house or your parents' house, basement, where Jesus is holding a lamb. Have you seen these? And he's looking down at it. It's cute, sweet. Right? Oh, I want to be his little lamb, right? But in Scripture, if you're called a sheep, it is not a compliment. It's a radical statement about our need for God's grace. It doesn't say the Lord is my rancher and I am his horse. Why? Because if the horse gets away from the rancher, the horse leaves and becomes a wild horse. If a sheep gets away from the shepherd... The sheep is dead. Sheep cannot get back home on their own. Right? If, uh, if you go to the next slide there, uh, this is Sheepology one-on-one here. Look. I don't, there's probably a better word for it, but I was too lazy to look that up. Um, they are helpless against parasites and predators. You can't let the sheep out. They are foolish, defenseless, no fangs, no claws. They can't bite. They can't outrun you. Uh, cats and dogs even clean themselves. Birds in the birdbath, bears in the river, sheep, dirty. And they stay dirty. They need comprehensive 24-hour care. They are high maintenance. So we need a God who is a shepherd desperately because in God's eyes we are clueless and lost sheep we badly need grace. And as a result of this covenant God who has entered as a shepherd into David's life, he says, I shall not want. That doesn't mean I don't want him. Okay? It means I have everything I need. Four areas we're going to look at. Four areas we will not lack. Four different areas where we need the all-sufficient shepherd to care for us, especially where we're at right now. Uh, verse 2. Let's look at the first thing. Physical and spiritual needs. Look at verses 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And the shepherd's main jobs are two things. Provision, looking in towards his sheep. And protection, looking out for his sheep. The image here is of a satisfied sheep who've eaten and drank, and now they're lying down in security, afraid, unafraid of any wild animals. Right? He makes me, does not mean he's like a police officer, uh, 
forcing you to lay down. No, the idea is this shepherd, he creates space, a safe and calm environment for his sheep to lie down once they eat. Um, when we had our, before we had Abby, our first child, um, I remember Jenny would prepare the whole room, right? She, she, and they called it nesting. Create that environment, a safe place, right? So we, we take care of all, like, and later, you know, you get all the, the child locks and this and that. Just creating a safe and calm environment for sheep to lie down once they eat. Notice he leads, not drives in anger. That, that's a tender word. A gently leading shepherd. Notice still waters. See, they, the sheep can't drink from rapid flowing river. So the shepherd brings them to calm, still waters. He knows them so well. He knows what they need to be sustained daily. So right away, what do we see? We see a shepherd who is caring, gentle, intentional, attentive, loving. He creates space for his sheep to be taken care of. But then notice right away he goes, he restores my soul. Literally, he brings me back. Sheep get lost, and for us, all right, we look at this gentle shepherd who wants to create the space and do all this for us. We don't want him. We don't want a shepherd. What we want is a hireling, somebody who doesn't own us. So we run to unrighteous paths. We crave freedoms which are actually slaveries in disguise. We turn our back on the fold. We turn our back on the shepherd. We curse his staff. We ignore his call, and we go our own way. That's the image we're getting right now. That's why I said sheep are need 24-hour comprehensive care. This, but this shepherd is far more committed to his sheep than they are to him. So the word restore is often used in the in context of repentance. For example, Psalm 19, 7 uses it. He leads us to nourishment, but also brings us back when we stray away in the paths of unrighteousness, and he leads us in ways that bring glory to him. That's the idea here. For his namesake, for the sake of his reputation. Thank God for this. Thank God for a shepherd who is not disgusted. Thank God for a shepherd who is tired and done with chasing down lost sheep. Thank God. Amen. Anyone glad that this morning, this morning, we can come right back to him because he restores our soul. Now, how does he lead us? It says he leads us. Now, if you go to that next slide, you hear um, this is how we think this is how what, what we think have the, the sheep and the grass and all of this. This setup is what we imagine, right? Green grass, still waters. We think of lush green meadows like this picture, right? The sheep are just belly deep in this grass or alfalfa or whatever. I don't know if it's our American mindset. Everything's always in abundance. However, most of the land around Jerusalem looks like this. It receives very little rainfall. It's rocky set of rolling hills. So when you see the sheep eating there, are you wondering, is it, are they rock-eating sheep? No, they're actually eating grass. 
The west wind blows its humidity against the hillsides where it condenses on the cool rocks at night. That little bit of moisture is just enough to grow what, what, what's called right there. See it? Those little sprigs of grass. So the shepherd leads the flock to these sprigs. A handful or a mouthful at a time. It's not a lot of grass. Just little sprigs. It's enough to take a bite and then walk a little further and take another bite. It's not a lot of grass sometimes, but it's enough. That's how God guides and shepherds us. He doesn't lead us to lush green cattle pastures, rapid water, where we have everything in abundance for the week, month, and year. That's why the Lord's Prayer says, give us Today, our daily bread. God does not give us a Costco relationship with him. That's what we want, right? We want a Costco relationship. We'd rather have stuff in bulk, right? Give me enough for the whole year, Lord. (laughs) Don't I have to come back to God so often? No, that's not how he works. That's not how it works. We cannot live without daily dependence. He leads us along the right paths through little sprigs and quiet streams. Enough for today. Give us today our daily bread. Listen, we don't have what it takes to handle even the next 15 minutes. And if you have little children, (laughs) amen. (laughs) You understand, right? The next hour's grass we have to trust him. Some days he'll, maybe there's a lot of sprigs. Other days there might be only a little. But there's always enough for what we need. And some of us right now, in this valley, in this pandemic, with everything else that's going on, we're just constantly staring out, looking for tomorrow's provision. So you're worried all the time about your future about your finances, about your marital status, your children, their finances, their marital status, education. We still don't even know what the new normal is going to be post-COVID. So then all these what-ifs start to fill our heart. See, worry is we're carrying tomorrow's load on today's strength. May you hear this this morning, RCC. God leads you a sprig at a time. Just enough for today. Moment by moment, grace. So that's why we keep our hearts and our face in this book. Just enough, Lord. Just to quiet our hearts, to listen for his voice throughout the day. Just enough grace everywhere. So he is sufficient for our physical and and, uh, spiritual needs. He's also sufficient for our emotional needs. Look at verses 4. And five, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Let's look at this. Even though, notice it doesn't say if you walk through the valley. Even though. It's not even, it's not always mountains and still waters. There are valleys, shadows, fear, enemies. That's, that's these verses. That's 
The valley is when you feel like the Christian stuff's not working. It's dark. It's scary. It can apply to any dark situation where you can't see your way. A chronic illness. A broken heart. Broken marriage. Unmet need. Unemployment. The death of a loved one. Infertility. Miscarriage. On and on and on. Or this huge valley right now. This never-ending pandemic mixed with political unrest, racial tension. It could be anything. What this does is it, it leaves us all over the place, and we're just like trying to find our way around this, navigating this, this valley of the shadow of death. So I want to propose that there's three, according to the text here, three ways the, Lord, the shepherd, the Lord, meets our emotional needs in the valley. How does he meet us with all these emo- the stuff that we're feeling right now in the valley? Well, first, uh, if you go to the next slide here, perspective. And notice shadow of death. He doesn't say the valley of death, shadow of death. The believer's life is not one without valleys or shadows. So hear me. It's real. That pain, it, the pain is real. It's awful. It's like death. Hear me but they are shadows. Shadows threaten us, but shadows cannot destroy us. Shadows. Uh, The late Dr. Barnhouse, a preacher from Philadelphia, he was driving his children to the funeral of their mother who had passed away. Now, while waiting at the traffic light, this huge truck crosses in front of them at this intersection, and momentarily it casts a shadow on the car. And Dr. Barnhouse looked at his children and he asked this question. Would you rather be struck by the truck or the shadow? The kid said, the shadow, of course. That's what happened to us, said Barnhouse. Mother was not overridden by death, only by death's shadow. See, we face the shadow of death. Because the believer will never have to face the substance of death. Why? Because Jesus Christ was hit by the substance of death. So our worst valleys are just shadows. Shadows. So perspective. Secondly, presence. Presence. This will help you in the valley for your emotional need. Presence. Notice, you are with me. So wherever there's a shadow, guess what? There's also light. So far, David's been using third-person singular to describe the journey. He, he, he. But now that he gets into the valley, David drops the third person for the second-person singular. You, you, you. You is emphasized here in the Hebrew. It's, it's fronted to try, to try to highlight, try to point to us. He's, not no, he's no longer talking about the shepherd to you. He's talking to the shepherd before you. See, the beauty in the valley isn't the absence of shadows. The beauty of the valley is the presence of the good shepherd. Sometimes God calms the storm. I don't know why we're in some valleys. I have no explanation sometimes. Why this storm? Why this valley? Why am I going through this? Sometimes he takes us out of the valley. Sometimes he calms the storm. But other times, probably most of the time, he lets the storm rage and he calms his child 
in the storm. He meets you in the valley. It's about who you're looking at. Notice he says, for you are with me. It doesn't say, and I am with you, Lord. (laughs) Amen. He is with you. Because guess what? Sometimes in the valley, you can't see God. And maybe that's where you're at right now. You can't see him. That's okay. He sees you. We need a sense of his tangible presence. Otherwise, we focus on the shadows instead of the shepherd. And notice, when he's looking at the shepherd, he's sensing his shepherd, that his shepherd is with him, he senses comfort. Notice, he's so close to the shepherd, he sees the rod, which is a defending tool. He sees the staff, which is a guiding tool. This is basic shepherd equipment. Okay, My shepherd, he realizes, is not empty-handed. He's got me. He hasn't left me to fend for myself. He senses the shepherd's nearness. My dad passed away recently. And I remember at times... And if you've lost a parent, maybe you can identify with this. That I had this orphan-like feeling. Grief is so strange. Sometimes, depending on the hour, (laughs) you feel like you're free-falling off a cliff. And as I was struggling with that, um, I went to church the next Sunday. The elder was reading scripture, like the call to worship, before he prayed. And he started off reading John 14, 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What is that? That's the shepherd in the valley putting his hand on my heart. You're free-falling, but you're free-falling right into my arms. I wasn't seeing him in the valley, but guess what? He saw me. See that? A sprig. I'll take it. I need it for this hour. John 14, 18. I'm going to cling to that for dear life. God's speaking to me. He's here in the valley. There's beauty in every valley in the darkness. Look for it. Look for it. Presence. To bring that home, David then abandons this sheep and shepherd's imagery, and he moves to king and guest in verse 5. You notice that? You prepare a table before me, In the presence of my enemies, he's anointing his head with oil. His cup is overflowing. David's God is a shepherd king. Now, this is an Eastern hospitality image, and it's one of greater intimacy than shepherd or sheep. The idea is this king, a prosperous, powerful, generous host. Notice the language here. Cup overflows. He spares no expense. It's not half-filled, but overflows. Flows. He's not taking a little dropper and here's a little, little bit of water. Right? Just enough for you. No. Left, he's not served with leftovers. He's abundantly given the finest provisions in the house. Satisfaction, significance, security. That's the stuff our heart needs. Abundantly supplied to the believer here. And it's in the presence of his enemies that this is happening. So not just... Is he my protector and provider? He's also going to be my vindicator of stuff that's happened to me. We can't get into all of that right now. He's just enjoying the presence of God here. The presence. I love the end of Psalm 73 where it says, It is good for me to be near God. 
it really can be translated, your nearness is my good. I love that. Let that be our prayer. Your nearness is what's good for me. So we need God's perspective, his presence. One more thing to help us in the valley, perseverance. Notice he says, walk through. He doesn't say sprint through. He doesn't say jog through. He doesn't say sit and wind through. (laughs) Walk through. In the valley, our emotions will take us all over the place. And all I can tell you is you have to let yourself feel all of those emotions and at the same time think through the truth of who God is in the valley. That is what's going to support you. Day by day, like I said, perseverance, one sprig at a time, one step at a time, moment by moment, when your emotions can feel overwhelming. Some of us sitting this morning are brokenhearted. You've been in the valley for a long, long time. I think we're only starting to see the effects of the pandemic emotionally on us, like now. Maybe you feel like, I got to get over this. No, you don't get over it. You get through, through the valley, right? Through the valley. It takes time. Find some fellow sheep who are also lost (laughs) and struggling and together in the valley. Give examples and share how you're getting a little sprig at a time here and there, how you're sensing his presence here and there, how you're getting perspective here and there, how you're persevering together. We can't do it alone. The all-sufficient shepherd, right? Physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, providing, and lastly, our eternal need as well. Everything. That's everything. Every kind of need. Verse 6, he changes the image again. So now shepherd, sheep, king, guest, and it ends with God, worshiper. He closes the psalm by declaring God's faithfulness through every day and through eternity. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You can count on, this is the stuff you can count on. There's not a lot of stuff we can count on now. Our health, our money, loved ones may forsake us, but this is what we can count on. Notice, surely, not hopefully, not maybe, surely, love that. Goodness. All right, it's that Hebrew word hesed. God's steadfast, never giving up, Never failing love. Not only goodness, what else? Mercy. Follows us all throughout life and through eternity. Where you're not going to be a guest for a day, you will live with him forever. But notice that word follow. The English does not do a good job of follow. That word follow is not just coming behind like a little puppy dog. It's an energetic pursuit to chase after or pursue. It's rada. The goodness and mercy of God. Not like a good little puppy dog. They gallop after us like a celestial stallion. They are chasing us down the maze-like paths we run away from. They are hot on our heels. The goodness to follow you every step and mercy to pick you up when you stumble. 
for every step and for every stumble taken care of. The goodness and mercy of our shepherd, Radoff, pursues, follows us all the way to heaven's gate into the arms of our Father. Okay, all right, well, Robin, that sounds nice. That sounds really cute and nice and wonderful, right? He's, he's all-sufficient shepherd, he's providing for my physical, spiritual, everything, all kinds of needs. But do you know what kind of valley I'm in? How do I know as a believer he will shepherd me like that? How do I know he's not going to abandon me in the valley or leave me to the enemy? How do I know? You got any proof? Yes, I do. I do. I have proof. Because centuries later, Jesus Christ shows up. And do you know what he declares in John 10? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, he says, is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf, when the hired hand sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man, the hireling, runs away because he's a hired hand. He doesn't even care for the sheep, Jesus says. See, sheep are dumb animals, but sheep are also incredibly valuable for their wool and their meat. That's why you had robbers. That's why you had thieves. A shepherd didn't have money in the bank. So they raised sheep. This was their wealth. This was their treasure. So what is Jesus Christ saying to, to us? Jesus says, when the wolves come, the people who are in it for the money, they run away. But Jesus says, no, 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 but I'm the good shepherd. I would rather run right into the wolf's mouth to save my sheep. Save his sheep? Me? Even me? I who turn away my back on the fold and the shepherd? Yes. Me, I who, I who have cursed his staff, ignored his call, gone my own way? Yes. Me, who I have been more like a wolf than a sheep? Yes. You are his treasure. You are all his wealth. And we should read Psalm 23 with also Psalm 22 in mind. Do you know what he says in Psalm 22? David says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Listen to, the, listen to these words. Roaring lions open their mouths wide against me. Dogs surround me. They have pierced my hands and feet. Psalm 22. When Jesus was on the cross, you know what was happening? The shepherd says this. The wolves came after me in the valley of death. I didn't get the shadow. I got death. So you and I get the shadow. I am the shepherd who became a sacrificial lamb. I am the shepherd that when the wolf comes, I would rather lose everything than let my sheep die. I would lose my life, my glory. I would lose the universe than to see my sheep perish. See, for this shepherd, there was no table set for him in the presence of wrath and forsakenness. He was treated as the enemy. So God welcomes you as friend. This shepherd, the Lamb of God, is bound to the altar for, for our sin. So today, he can bind us to himself when I wander away. This shepherd, Jesus, drank the cup of wrath. So when you come to his table this morning, when you come into his presence this morning, that cup that he gives you runs over with goodness and mercy over your lips, over your sin, over your thirst, 
that makes you yearn for more. Death and wrath pursued him and came after him and engulfed him. So goodness and mercy now pursues after you. RCC, this is the shepherd we have this morning. So yeah, that's the proof, right? If this is the kind of shepherd that would go through all of that to keep me in his fold, you think he's going to abandon you now in in the valley? He was abandoned already for us. No way. No way. Let me close with this. The story is told that there's a pastor uh, who visited a terminally ill child, one of his, uh, of his, one of his church members. And the pastor, uh, the child couldn't speak, but the pastor was trying to speak to, trying to encourage the child, and he said, Psalm 23. And the pastor said to him, this is the only thing you need to know. And he, he, he lifted up the, the child's hand and his fingers. And then counting each finger, starting at the thumb, He said, the Lord is my shepherd. And he kept teaching him that. The Lord is my shepherd as he was dying. Sometime later, the boy passed away in his sleep. The pastor came by and the parents said that hours before their son passed away, the time of his death, and they couldn't understand this, when they looked at him, he was holding the ring finger of his hand. They didn't understand it. When the pastor shared what he had taught him, then it made sense. While he had not spoken, the child had heard that before he died, he had put his hand around his finger with the word my, right? The Lord is my shepherd. He's yours. You are his. Let's pray. As the worship team comes up, why don't we do the same thing? Just symbolically, uh, take your right hand, grab your left hand's right finger. Okay, just take that, do that. If you know the, if you know the shepherd, would you just tell him, Lord, no matter how bad the valley is, no matter how long it's been, no matter how far away you are, no matter how hard your heart is right now, no matter how difficult life is, we just say, Lord, you are my shepherd. My shepherd. Oh, great shepherd, I join my brothers and sisters. Uh, We are so lost and so tired. Especially in this world we live in. Lord, we want to turn from trying to be our own shepherd of our lives. I'm a really bad chief shepherd of my life, of my family, Lord. I want to be your under-shepherd. Lord, I... I I worry about tomorrow's grass. And if I'm honest, I don't even have strength to walk back into your arms. But I thank you. Even when I can't see you, you see me. 
Find us, Lord, many of us here quivering and afraid, lost emotionally in the valley, so we can finally collapse into never-ending grace, goodness, and mercy that's chasing us. We confess we don't trust you in the darkness. But I thank you that you're not just a shepherd way up high. You are a shepherd way down low in the valley. So we praise you, our great shepherd. We thank you. You ran into the lion's mouth, got hit by the semi-truck of death so we could be safe. Thank you for loving dumb sheep like us. Thank you for drinking the cup of wrath. So the wine of your grace this morning, oh Lord, the wine of your grace, overflow to your people. Goodness and mercy pursue. May we sense that this morning. Help us to find our sufficiency in you. Prone to wander, Lord, we feel it. Prone to leave the God we love. Take our heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Do that now as we close in worship. Meet us here, O good, good Father. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.